It's 4 o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady, and I am with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in. If you have a prayer request, something that you'd like to talk about, or a question from the Bible, we'd love to hear from you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. And you can also text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. I want to say welcome to those of you who have tuned in up and down the Front Range of Colorado. Uh, we're on the air from uh, all the way from Cheyenne, Wyoming, down to Colorado Springs. So welcome to those of you who listen in Colorado. We also want to say hi to everybody who's listening on the East Coast. I know there are so many of you who tune in from Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, and we're so glad to have you with us. We love getting calls from those of you out on the East Coast. We also want to say hi to everybody who's listening online and on our live stream. Welcome to the program. The number to call, again, is 303 and the number to text is 720-336-0897. Here at the beginning of the show, it's always a good time to call in if you want to get on the air because we always have open lines at the beginning of the show. A little bit about myself. I am the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. You can check us out online at whitefieldschurch.com. For those of you who are in the Longmont area, we would love to have you come visit us at church one Sunday. Uh, where we meet, we meet in the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is right in downtown Longmont, right on Longs Peak Avenue, which is uh, in downtown Longmont. We meet right on the corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman on the southeast corner of Roosevelt Park, which is the city park there in Longmont. And we would love for you to come and check us out or visit us. And if you'd like to check us out online, you can do that, of course, at whitefieldschurch.com. We also have a show that airs here on Grace FM every weekday at 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time, and it's called Life in the Field, and those are our sermons from Sunday mornings that are edited for the radio. And we also have that show that airs on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So uh, it's been my pleasure to lead this show for, to host this show for the past few Mondays. A few weeks ago, I took over on Mondays from Nate Morris, who hosted the show for about a year or so every Monday, and uh, Nate's a great guy and a good friend of mine. I'm excited to get to take over in his place and take your calls and answer your questions here on the air. A few things going on at our church that I wanted to let people know about, some things that um, I thought people would be interested to know about and I've shared about before. So one of the things we do at Christmas time is that we do a thing called Project Greatest Gift. It's kind of a homegrown initiative out of our church. We have some people in our church who you know, have a big heart for um, orphans and for ministry to orphans, especially because that's such a reflection of the gospel, that we have been uh, adopted by God and he has brought us into his family, even though we at one time were not part of his family, we were alienated from him. And so uh, as, an, as a kind of a response to the gospel that we have come up with um, at our church in our local area is that in Boulder and Weld County and even down into Adams County in Colorado, we work with the social services and at Christmas time we provide gifts for uh, a couple hundred families who are in the foster system. So we provide gifts for the children as well as for the caretakers because, you know, Christmas time can be a very hard time uh, for families who are in these situations. And the, 
the fact that they're in these situations to begin with uh, shows that they've been going through some tough times and they could use some extra love and attention. So Project Greatest Gift has been going on even since before I was at Whitefields. I've been at Whitefields now for five years. The church has existed longer than that. And they started doing this outreach before I came. But over the time that I've been at the church, I've gotten to see this project just expand and grow. And it's been awesome. So this year we're going to be doing the most we've ever done. I think we're doing about 250 families, in uh, mostly in Weld County, um, in Firestone and Frederick, Decono area, and also some in Boulder County as well as some in Adams County. So if there are any of you who are listening who would like to get in on that, you say that sounds like a cool thing and I want to be part of that. I would also tell you that um, we... As part of that, we share the gospel with these kids. We, we give them uh, gospel music CDs based on their ages, and we give them some you know, gospel materials, and we're going to be having an opportunity to follow up with some of these families and meet them later on. It's a really cool outreach that God is blessing a lot. And uh, if any of you out there listening would like to get in on that, I would just invite you to email us at info at whitefieldschurch.com. So that's info at whitefieldschurch.com. And you can just say, uh, that you'd like more information about Project Greatest Gift and know how you can get involved because we've kind of got, what we've found as we've gotten into ministering to foster families is that this is just a really kind of a a very needy group in the in our society that it's not being reached out to very much and just really great outreach that we can do and shine the light of Jesus and the light of the gospel and get to uh, be in contact with some people who really need to hear about the love of God and we can kind of what we found is that we can kind of do more than than we even have the resources for we're stretching ourselves now but we feel like man if we could get some other people in on this I think that God could use this in a really great way so if you're interested in project greatest gift at Whitefields here in Longmont uh, Boulder Weld County area then definitely email us at info at whitefieldschurch.com let's go to our call line we've got a call from Inga on line one in Littleton. Hi, Inga. Yes, hi. Hi, welcome to the program. How are you, Pastor Nick? Doing well. Um, I have uh, two questions. Um, So the first question is about um, angels, more specifically guardian angels. I grew up Catholic, and ever since um, I was a little girl, I was uh, taught that we have, um, or that everybody has a guardian angel. So now that I am a born-again Christian, I am wondering if that lines up with Scripture, if the Bible says anything about that. Um, And then I have another question, but if you would like to answer that one first. So, yeah, the question is, does every person have an angel who's assigned to them? I'll tell you a few things about angels just to begin with. I mean, obviously the Bible does teach that there are angelic beings. What's interesting is that in Greek, the word angelos literally just means messenger. And so an angel is a messenger. That is the nature of angels. They are messengers, but they're also spiritual beings. So we see that there are these spiritual beings. We see them usually portrayed as mighty ones. We see that they were told in the Bible that the job of angels, in Hebrews chapter 1, says that angels are ministering spirits sent out to serve the sake of those who will inherit salvation. So we see that there are these angelic spirits. They are um, spiritual beings. And they are, I guess you could say, benevolent spirits as opposed to malevolent spirits, which would be like demons. Right. And so Matthew 18, verse 10 says this. It says, see that you do not look down on the little ones, 
For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. And so the kind of the question is, okay, is the little ones referred to there? Does it mean uh, everyone who believes in him? Does it refer to little children? Because both of those are actually talked about there in Matthew 18. Um, everybody as a believer is mentioned there in verse 6. And uh, right. in verses 3 through 5, it specifically refers to children. Um, I think that uh, there's no doubt about the fact that there are angels that God has sent to protect us, to guide us, to even provide for us and to minister to us in general. Um, I think that I, I would put it this way. I'm not sure that I could say, you know, without a doubt that everybody has one angel assigned to them. But I will right. say this, that God uh, definitely does send angels to do all of these things. I mean, I'm just looking at a list here. Um, protecting. We see that like in Daniel chapter 6. We see an angel protecting. We see uh, angels revealing information or giving messages. Like I said, the word angel means messenger. We see them giving guidance like in, uh, when angels appear to Jesus' parents, Mary and, and Joseph. And, uh, Acts chapter 8. And we see them, God using angels to provide for people and, and minister in general. So yeah, I, I think that's a pretty biblical doctrine, you know. Now, to believe that everybody has one specific angel assigned to them, I don't know if you could back that up with Scripture, but certainly there are angels that God assigns to people for these purposes. Right. Okay. Okay, thank you. And um, my other question is actually also um, in Matthew 18, and it's right before um, the part that you read. It's Matthew 18, 18, um, okay. when Jesus said that... <clears throat> Um, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and um, whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Um, what exactly did Jesus mean by that? Yeah, so that has been taken historically. I mean, if you were, grew up Roman Catholic, which I, I actually did to some degree myself. I, I grew up Lutheran, but also uh, with some ties to the Catholic Church as well. And, of course, that verse is used by the Roman Catholic Church to say that Peter, and then it, you know, transferring that right onto the Pope, and then the Catholic Church would have the keys to the kingdom, so to say, meaning kind of the general authority of God on earth having been given to him. I think what's really um, important, though, to notice is that this isn't specifically directed towards Peter. This is directed towards disciples. He's talking to his disciples, and if you look at the whole section. I mean, it's really interesting because he starts out at the beginning and says, you know, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Yeah. He says, the one who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the one who makes himself the servant of all, the one who makes himself like a little child. Right. Right. And then he goes on to talk about sinning against each other. That's the context of this verse 18. It says, you know, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Do it between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. If he mm -hmm. doesn't listen, take one or two others with you, that every charge may be established. And if he refuses to listen, then tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, then let him be to you as a Gentile or tax collector. But then he says, truly, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he continues and says, if two or of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. I think the really important point to see here is that, that it, God is, what Jesus is saying is that he's essentially endowing privilege and authority to his disciples and to those who are gathered in his name. Okay. And so 
what I'm saying is I don't think that that belongs specifically to uh, the Roman Catholic Church or to the Pope, for example. I think that this is saying that people who uh, Jesus has given his authority. You know, he says later on in Matthew 28, he gives this commission. And he says, you know, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And now, with that authority, I am sending you out into the world. So that was specifically for for the disciples. And I wasn't asking um, that, uh, referring to the Roman Catholic Church, because I didn't know that they took that verse um, as to the authority being given to them. Um, I, I thought that, you know, he was talking to um, to people in general, so I, I just didn't know exactly what, what he was referring to by, you know, whatever you bind on earth and uh, whatever you lose on earth. Yeah, I, I would say it this way, that it wasn't so much that they were given the, the privilege, so much of um, saying, okay, well, whatever you decide on earth, God will agree with you. Rather, I think right. it's more in the terms of like the apostles, if they are doing something on earth, binding or forbidding something, then they will be carrying out the will of God in a manner, in, in, in that matter. So, for example, you know, whether they, if they forbid something, it is they are going to be working in conjunction with God to carry out his will will on earth and to do his will i think that's the that's the key theme but yeah absolutely this verse has been used historically by the roman catholic church uh in a, in a okay. major way yeah and does that does that um refer to us as well does that affect us or or it was just for the for for his disciples well, I, I do believe that it goes beyond just the disciples. I believe it comes down to um, church leadership even today. I think that those who okay. are called by God and given authority to lead, you know, that he's wanting us to lead in conjunction with him. Now, that doesn't mean that everything that everybody does as a church leader is perfect. I mean, that history right. bears witness to the fact that not everything that every historical Christian leader does or has done uh, has been truly according to God's heart. But the, this is the right. ideal Right. As, as long as it is aligned with God's will, I guess. Right? Right. So that's the idea here, that they should be leading in conjunction with God's will. Okay. All right. Thank you okay. so much. Thank you for calling in. God bless you. All right. You're welcome. Right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Hope you're having a great day and a good Monday. The number to call in is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Again, we have uh, open lines right now. It's a great time to call in. So if you'd like to be on the air, we can get you on pretty quickly. Again, the number is 303-690-3000. Let's go ahead and go to our text line. We've had a few text messages come in in the meantime. We have a man named John who texts in saying, I need, a, I need prayer for mental and physical healing. Thank you. So let's go ahead and pray for John and this request he has. Heavenly Father, it is a privilege to come to you on behalf of John and together with everyone listening uh, on the radio and online, Lord, together we agree in the name of Jesus and we ask, Lord, for mental and physical healing uh, for John. Lord, we thank you for the promise of the gospel. Lord, that you have come to defeat sin and death. And Lord, we thank you that ultimately these things are going to be things that are of the past. Thank you for that promise. And Lord, may we hold on to that hope. But we also pray for John, Lord, in his life right now, Lord, that 
he would experience this in his life here on earth, that he would experience relief from the mental and physical pain that he's experiencing. Lord, we just ask for your grace and your mercy in his life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go to line one where we've got Bianca and Aurora. Hi, Bianca. You're on the air. How are you doing? Doing well. What's up? Well, I have a prayer request. I'm not going to mention any names because it's not wise, but there is this person I know that I don't want to judge them or anything because I know we're not supposed to do that, but they're kind of, they say they're a believer, but I've been observing their life, and they're just doing something that I'm quite sure that believers really wouldn't do. I mean, I guess it can kind of turn into a question, too, because Tim, is it okay for someone who's in leadership in any area to be smoking? Because, I mean, obviously this is a different church, not Calvary Chapel. So. <laughs> but I'm just curious, because I, I don't think it's okay. Yeah. Well, here, let me answer a few questions for you so i think your your first issue that you brought up is that there's somebody that you're thinking of who you know is a christian or obviously they're in leadership but they're doing something that you think is kind of incongruent with christianity actually let's talk about that a second yeah. let's talk about the smoking one first i think that one's easier uh you know mm -hmm. i lived i lived for a long time in europe and you know it's pretty funny that uh right after service uh we would have I mean, we'd have a line of people outside our front door who would uh, wait for service to be over, and then they would go and smoke cigarettes. In fact, I remember one time I was preaching at our church. We had a lot of new believers come into our church, a lot of people who had never been to church in their entire life. You know, we were in Hungary, and, you know, for several years in Hungary, they had uh, a government that really suppressed Christianity, communist government. And so you, you have this whole generation of people who grew up never going to church in their lives for the most part and then their kids are the same way and so we would get these funny experiences in church you know and and so like i remember having this one time where this this guy came into church and he sat in the very back of the building next to a window and he just smoked a cigarette the entire time that i was <laughs> he just kind of chain smoked through my sermon and uh afterwards i was i was I was, I was glad he was there. I mean, I was glad he was there to hear the word of God. And I talked to him about the Lord and shared the gospel with him. I remember another time where, I, where you know, we would have, we were downtown in the city that we lived in. And we'd have people come in and they would just be, well, you know, in Europe, a lot of times you can drink openly. And so we'd have these guys come in and they'd sit in the back and drink their beer while they listen to the sermon. I mean, this is at like 10 o'clock in the morning, you know. Wow. So uh, I think there's some degree to it, which is, is cultural you know, at the point. But I would say this. I don't think it's wise. I think it's unhealthy. I think it's not treating your body uh, with respect as the temple of God. I think yeah. that it's uh, unhealthy. <laughs> but you know what? There are a lot of other things that uh, that people get a lot less upset about that could go in the same category. You know, you could yeah. talk about overeating, which is very taboo in our, our society to 
Yeah, because I'm obviously talking about a church I used to go back when I was a teenager, and Mm -hmm. I don't know, something didn't seem right in that church. That's why I was asking. Yeah, well, I'll say this, too, (laughs) about uh, smoking. You know, like I said, I think that, on the one hand, it's, it's unwise, first of all, and I'll tell you why it's also unwise, is because it's, it, it's confusing for people. It, yeah. You know, like, for example, you, you say you looked at this and I just thought, wait a second, should a Christian be doing that? My opinion is this, especially for a person who's in leadership, that the only scandal they should be known for is the scandal of the gospel. That's all I yeah. want to be known for as a pastor. And so, I, you know, it's funny is when I was a new Christian, I was a teenager and I um Right out of high school, I smoked cigarettes. And I loved smoking cigarettes. Honestly, I really did. And uh, I liked the taste of it. I liked the whole you know, experience of it. But I remember the day when I moved to Hungary to be a missionary. I was 18 years old. And I remember I threw my pack of cigarettes in the trash can, and I never smoked again. And the reason that I did that was because I knew that it would just be confusing. It would be an issue. It would be uh, something that people would you know, want to talk about. Um, the f- but furthermore... There's also another aspect to it, and that is that I think that as Christians, we should not be enslaved or under the control of any substance. Um, The only thing that we should be controlled by in our lives is by the Holy Spirit, right? Like, so I'm thinking of Ephesians (laughs) chapter 5, do not be filled with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the idea there is like, what is the controlling influence in your life? Is, are you controlled by an addiction? We should really be set free from that. And especially those who are leaders, you know, you, you want to see somebody who's a leader be a, an example of what it looks like to have a victorious Christian life. And, and at least in these areas that are very obvious, like it's not good for them to be addicted to substances. It's not good for them to be, even if, even if they're not addicted, to be indulging in <laughs> something that could cause someone else to stumble. You know, I think about yeah. Paul the Apostle, and he talks about meat sacrificed to idols. And he says, you know what, there's a controversy over this. There's some people in that time, Christians, who said, you know, the, the best meat that you could get in the market would be from, in, you know, the most affordable meat would be meat that has been sacrificed to idols. And so um, he would say, well, you know, is it a sin to eat meat that's been sacrificed to idols? And his conclusion was, you know what, I don't believe it is. I believe it's maybe a good use of your money. And furthermore, those idols are really nothing. There's no substance to them. Yeah. And he says, and I'm free in Christ. So he goes, I could eat that and it's not going to be a problem for me. But he says, you know what, if it's a problem for somebody else in my community, in my church community, then I will never eat meat again. Like, I will be a vegetarian for the rest of my life because that's (laughs) how much I care about the gospel and I want it to be the only controversy that I am known for in my life. And so I think that's a really important point for, especially, I think that should be true kind of across the board for us as Christians. I think our goal should not be to be known for our political opinions or um, other things, but to say, I'm a Christian, I'm a person called to be on a mission, and and I want to be known publicly and to other people for the controversy of the gospel and for that controversy only. So. Yeah, I completely agree. Can we just pray now for this 
person because I know if even if this was a while back, if the Lord's putting it in my mind, it's probably for a reason, and maybe there are leaders out there listening that maybe could be struggling with this. Yeah, absolutely. Let's pray for that. Lord, I thank you for... um Lord, I thank you for setting us free in Jesus. I thank you for the freedom that we have in you. But Lord, I thank you that uh, also you've called us to be uh, part of a high privilege to be on mission with you. And Lord, so I pray for us as Christians that truly the thing that we would be known for is the controversy of the gospel and the controversy of the grace of God. Lord, that you pursue sinners, and that you love rebels and that you you come after those who are running from you and you lovingly bring them into your family. Lord, may that be the thing that we are known for. And may that be the, the, the thing that people think of when they think of us. And uh, I pray for anyone who is struggling with addiction and, and wants to be set free. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling with drug addictions and alcohol addictions and addictions to pornography and, uh, Lord, addictions to, to other things. Maybe it's even to forms of food. Lord, I pray that you would truly set them free, that they would experience your power in their life to stand up under every temptation that comes their way. And Lord, I pray that you would set them free and that they would experience and walk in freedom in Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to live with such a missional mindset that says, you know what, I want to be known for the controversy of the gospel. And if there's anything in my life that might stumble someone else, then Lord, help me to set that aside for the mission, for the sake of the gospel, and for the sake of loving other people. And uh, Lord, we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank, Thank you. Thank you for calling in. God bless you. All right. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church taking your calls and texts today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We've got all open lines right now. We'd love to hear from you. Go ahead and call in if you'd like. Um, we also had a text message come in during that call, someone with a um, similar question. We were talking about the issue of addiction. We were talking about smoking and, and whether or not that's a problem or even if it's appropriate for people who are in Christian ministry. And this person uh, writes in and says, well, Many people have caffeine addictions. What do I think about that? Well, I definitely like coffee. So I'll tell you that I'm maybe a little bit biased. But if I'm honest and I ask the question, you know, is, it, uh, is coffee an addiction? I'd say, yeah, I think that you can be addicted to caffeine. I mean, obviously, it's, a, it's a, an addictive substance that people use uh, for a form of, I guess, mood alteration, which I think is addressed by that text I talked about earlier. Now, clearly, it's um, it's culturally acceptable. It's culturally encouraged. I mean, many churches have coffee shops. Uh, I personally prefer the, uh, I, I like the effects of coffee and that I see that uh, it keeps people awake during my sermons at church. So, um, you know, one a few months ago, I went out into the lobby of our church and I noticed there was some tea that was set out, you know, in our welcome table. And that tea was this uh, celestial seasonings kind of tea. It's called sleepy time tea. And I was like, what in the world? Who put out the sleepy time tea? I think it's an act of the devil. 
to keep people from hearing the word of God and worshiping. Somebody put out the sleepy time tea. So we posted that on our social media and made sure that no one ever brings sleepy time tea to church ever again. I'll just say the same thing about caffeine addiction. I don't think that any addiction is good. And so I think that uh, it is possible, though, to enjoy some things without being addicted to them. I think it's possible to enjoy coffee without being addicted to caffeine. And so I would encourage any Christian person to really ask themselves, be asking themselves, am I uh, under the control of any substance, whether that's caffeine or nicotine or alcohol or whatever it is, and then to really ask themselves, is this good? Could I possibly be stumbling someone? Am I hurting my relationship with God by being under the control of something other than the Holy Spirit? We're going to go to a break, and we will be back with you in two minutes. Looking forward to taking more calls and texts here on Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here with you today, taking your calls and texts on the air. Our church meets in downtown Longmont. For those of you who live in the Longmont area or surrounding towns, up to Frederick, Firestone, up to Berthoud, and Lyons, down in Lafayette and Erie, Boulder. We would love to have you come and check us out. Our church is located in downtown Longmont, right on the southeast corner of Roosevelt Park, which is the city park here in Longmont, in the St. Vrain Memorial Building. We meet at 10 a.m. on Sundays, and you can check us out online at whitefieldschurch.com. Right now we're doing a series at Whitefields, which, which I'm pretty excited about. It's for the 500-year anniversary of the beginning of the Reformation, which is this year. Uh, 2017 marks 500 years since 1517, which is when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the wooden door of the Wittenberg Church in Germany. And uh, with that began the Protestant Reformation, which is a real turning back to the Word of God and the Gospel. And so for that uh, anniversary, we're doing a series where for five weeks we're looking at what are called the five solas of the Reformation. Solas were, uh, sola in Latin means only or alone, and these were the five kind of key biblical doctrines that the Reformers wanted to champion. So they said, sola scriptura, only the scriptures are our highest authority. They said, only by faith. Uh, do we receive the grace of God? They said, it's only by the grace of God that we are saved. They said, only in Christ that we are saved. Christ alone, he is the only way. And of course, then everything for the glory of God, that it's possible to do everything in your life, uh, whether it's your job or whatever it is that you do, you can do it all to the glory of God. So we're taking five weeks to look at this. This past Sunday, we looked at only by grace are we saved. We're going to go to our callers, and maybe I'll have some time to tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. Let's go to line two, where we've got Justin in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Justin, you're on the air. Hi. What's going on? Uh, I had a question about First John 1, 8, I believe it is. Okay. And I was just talking about um, if, we have no, or if we say we have no sin, uh, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Okay. So I just wanted to get the context of that. Yeah, I mean, if you have your Bible with you, I'll just walk you through the whole beginning of that. I mean, uh -huh. 
here's the thing that's not written that you need to know about First John. That First John is written to kind of uh, argue against uh, heresy, which was common in the early church. And that heresy was Gnosticism. Now, Gnosticism comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. It's actually kind of related to our, our word knowledge comes from the Greek word gnosis, which you know means knowledge. And so what the Gnostics said is kind of a mixture of uh, Greek philosophy with Christianity. And so one of the things that they would say, you know, they first of all believed that everything physical was negative and everything unseen or spiritual was inherently positive. Another one that they believed is that if you could find this secret hidden knowledge, then, then you could get closer to God. And so one of the things like Gnostics had a hard time with, they had a hard time with believing that Jesus uh, was actually a flesh and blood human being. And one of the reasons was because they believed that flesh and blood is inherently sinful. So anyway, that's a little bit of context about the book. Something to remember that he's writing against uh, a false doctrine which uh, was known about at the time, which we know about. But it's important to remember that he's writing these words to Christians, but also kind of wanting to defend against this false doctrine. So here's what he says in this um, whole section. He's talking about Jesus Christ incarnate, God come and taken on human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. And he says, starting in verse 5 of chapter 1, 1 John, he says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. That God is light in him, there's no darkness at all. Also, I'll just say parenthetically, that whole light and darkness concept is very much a, you know, that was the Gnostic lingo. That was their vocab that they used. They like to talk about things in black and white, light and darkness. And so he takes on that language. He says, God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. Of course, light referring to good and truth and darkness referring to, to sin and evil. And he says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness... We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. And so the point is he's obviously writing to people who said a couple things. And, and this was really the key one. They were saying that they had attained some degree of, of perfect spirituality where they were without sin. Right? They had received this secret knowledge, uh, of this knowledge of the truth, and they had crossed from one side into the other. In other words, they were very black and white thinkers, as I said uh, before. And he's saying, okay, absolutely, black and white. Jesus is light. In him there's no darkness at all. Absolutely, black and white is right. But here's the deal. You have crossed over, but don't forget that that doesn't mean that you are without sin. You still have sin, and what you need is for Jesus to forgive your sin and cleanse you by what he did for you. You still need that to happen. You need that to happen continuously. And he says this word walk, the concept of walking, is that it's something that's ongoing. It's continuous. It's an ongoing action. It's not just one time you you tick the box and you're done, right? Uh, It's an ongoing thing. So does that answer your question? Yeah, I just uh, I I remember hearing someone saying something about like uh, it was almost in a not necessarily like a mocking way, but it was kind of like I don't know exactly what the context they were he was taking it out of, but he was he was saying that that con that scripture is is for unbelievers. Mm-hmm. 
And so I was just trying to clarify. Yeah, I, mean, I would so, say it's pretty clear here that this is talking about, he's talking to believers. But he's, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say he's talking exclusively to believers, right? I'd mm -hmm. say that he's talking to both. He addresses this letter several times. He says, my little children. He's writing to his children as an older man. You know, that it's written by John. He became older in life and he wrote to the church and he said, hey, my little children. He viewed the, uh, the believers in the church as he was had a father figure. He was a father figure in the church and he was talking to these people as people he dearly cared about. But I think that he did have in mind uh, both Christians and non-Christians reading this letter. I mean, he had a pretty wide scope for this letter. And mm -hmm. um, and he's wanting to argue against Gnosticism, but also argue for Jesus. That's really what the letter's about. It's very, very simple in that way, but yet very profound. So is it talking to Christians or non-Christians? I think it applies to both. That, you know, if anybody thinks that they, they have no sin, they're, they're deceiving themselves, whether they're a Christian or not a Christian. You know, you're deceiving yourself if you think that you have no sin. Right, and so they kind of walk in more of a self-righteous thinking then, I guess? The people he's... Yeah, I mean, surely he's writing to people who perhaps have a degree of self-righteousness. Yeah, because he's addressing this. I would say this. This is what I found. I think that most people in the world believe that they're a good person. In fact, statistics show that. If you ever looked at statistics on, you know, when they've done surveys on how many people think, first of all, that they're a good person, and secondly, how many people believe that they're going to heaven, the numbers are staggering because it's like basically everybody, right? There's like two guys out there who were like, yeah, I'm probably not a good person. I'm probably not going to heaven. But everybody else was like, <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm a great person. I'm so much better than everybody else. You know, I was talking about this in church yesterday. We were talking about grace alone. And, you know, this is really an important part of the gospel is that when you really understand the gospel, it's humbling on the one hand, but yet it makes you incredibly confident. It's humbling and in a very good way because it, it brings us face to face with this very fact that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and we very much need a Savior. We desperately need a Savior. We have no hope apart from a Savior. See, one of the... see. Human beings innately, part of our human nature is that we want to believe and we, we do believe that our lives have meaning and purpose. There's some reason why we're here. And that's, a, that's, a, that's not a bad thing for us to believe. We should believe that. The Bible gives us the reason why we are here. But a lot of times people will find their value and find their meaning and purpose in kind of what I would call kind of a cheap shortcut way. And that mm -hmm. the way that they do that is by finding other people who they view as less than them, and then saying, oh, well, look at that guy. I'm a lot better than him. Therefore, I'm, I'm a good person. Therefore, my life is justified. I have meaning and purpose and value because I'm a good person, not like all those bad people out there. But the gospel brings us to the, to the realization that we can't get away with that. We can't get away with looking down our noses at other people because at the end of the day, we are sinners who desperately need a Savior as well. And so the gospel makes us incredibly humble it says that you are more sinful than you ever uh, dared to imagine. And yet, the good news of the gospel is that in spite of that, God loves you more than you ever dared to dream. And so mm -hmm. that's, that's the good news of the gospel. So the gospel leaves us no room for self-righteousness, but it gives us a value in ourselves as who we are. It gives us value, not in being better than other people, but it gives us an actual true value that's not a cheap shortcut way. It gives us value by saying, look how valuable you are to God, that he would give himself for you, that he would give his son for you, that he would die for you.
Okay, hey, thank you for calling in. So good to, to talk with you about these awesome gospel truths. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks you. for your time. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. If you'd like to call in, we have one open line right now. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to line one where we've got Chris in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing? Hey, uh, uh, my phone may die, but... Um, Bianca, I just want to, uh, there's the scripture that's um, Timothy, 1 Timothy 3.2, and I think Titus 1.7. I don't have them, uh, my Bible with me, I'm driving. Uh, I might actually have a stoplight, but if you could uh, refresh my memory on there, and sure, I, my yeah, question is, should those apply to all Christians? Mm-hmm. Good question. Okay, uh, I'll read you. 1 Timothy 3.2, it says, Therefore an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. And then it goes on, Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, must manage his own household well with all dignity and keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his household, how will he care for the church of God? And what was the verse from Tim- Titus? You said Titus chapter two. Um, Titus one seven. Oh, one seven. Okay. Titus one seven. That says, for an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered, a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable. Yeah, and so. Those are those verses. So what was your first question there? Was it just to read the well, verses? Well, you know, I, I, I guess pertaining to, I guess, Bianca was talking about maybe somebody in leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, so those verses would apply to that person that Absolutely. she was talking Yeah. And and really, that I totally agree with you. I'm telling you, that's why I quit smoking as a, as a young man myself, um, because right. I felt that it was... It was not good for me to have that, even if even if I could have maybe argued that, hey, you know what, there's nothing really sinful about this. Um, right. It, it, the fact is, it was just wise. It was questionable. It was unwise. I'm sorry. It was questionable. And it was better right. for me to not do it, especially right. as a leader in the church. And that that was really what came to me was that I was becoming a leader uh, in the Christian community. And I just thought, you know what, this is not helpful. Right, so. right. Amen. Yes. Well, uh, thank you. I appreciate well, uh, your I'll show. I'll answer your other question. If you uh, you had another question, does this apply to all believers? I think that's a very valid question. So, I hope your phone doesn't die. If it does, I'll just keep answering the question. You can tune in on the radio. But okay, um, thank you. Yeah. So here's here's what you were saying was, does this apply to all Christians? I'll tell you. Uh, I want to say yes and no. Okay. Here's the yes: is that being above reproach. I'll read you from Philippians chapter two. Starting in verse 15, it says, So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a warped and crooked generation, so that you may shine like stars in the sky. And so the the key here is that the writer is writing to Christians, right? And he's saying, my beloved, you know, here's here's my desire for you as Christians. I want you to do all things, he says, without grumbling or disputing. I want you to be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And if you do that, you will shine like lights in the world. And that's absolutely true. He says, I want you to be basically above reproach 
and I think this is really the same thing that I was talking about when I answered Bianca's question. And I think that is this, that this is really God's desire for us. And I, I think that he wants us to do more than just get by. I think that to really understand the gospel and respond to the gospel is to say, you know what? I want my life to be known for Jesus, for the controversy right. of the gospel and for no other controversy. And to say, you know what? Man, I want my light, life to shine like a light in the world. Not because that's how I gain God's approval. No, but because God has placed his loving kindness on me. He's shown me grace. He's saved me. He's set me apart. Therefore, I want to live for him uh, out of just thankfulness and, and love yeah. for him. So, yeah. so on the one hand, yes, I do think that the Bible does call us to live above reproach. But on the other hand, you know, there's a whole bunch of other things in that text that we read that I think don't apply to all Christians generally across the board. But here's here's what I will tell you. I think that they are the ideal for us as Christians. So I'll say that. But so he says this is clearly written for those who desire to be overseers in the church. These are standards. And we also know that overseers are going to be held to a, a higher standard. They're going to be more accountable. But I think that the point is that they should be examples in their lives. So if we're looking for ideals of how someone uh, ought to live, then absolutely these are the ideals of, of Christian living is that in response to the gospel, I think that's always important that we keep that right. We can't ever put the cart before the horse. We can't say, okay. if you want to be pleasing and acceptable to God, then here's a laundry list of things that you need to do. I think we have to say, hey, let's talk about the gospel first. And because that's true, what, what does that mean for my life? What does that mean for my response to God and how I will live as a result? And so here, right. are, the, here are the examples of you know, someone who really understands the gospel, someone who's going to be a gospel leader in the church. They should be above reproach, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable. So. Amen. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank that. you for calling in. Yeah. And as far as like the shining like the stars for... Is that the I think of Daniel chapter twelve right at the very end? There, um, it kind of goes along with it. Reminded me of uh, what you're reading from Philippians. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think exactly. I know the verse you're talking about, but I'm having trouble finding it. I'm looking at Daniel twelve right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm not finding the verse because it's just um, it's hard to find. All right. Oh, here right. it is. Here it is. Here it is. It says, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness will shine like stars forever. Ah, there it yeah, is. That's a yeah. great verse. Yeah, I mean, saying yeah. you know, those who who live for these things, who turn others to these things, they shine like the brightness of the sky and uh, like stars forever and ever. So, oh, awesome. praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, God bless you, brother. God bless and, you. Uh, Thanks uh, for calling keep me. up the good work. Uh, love the show. Awesome. Thanks for calling. Bye -bye. God bless you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, you can check us out online at whitefieldschurch.com, or you can tune in every weekday. We have a show that airs on Grace FM from 2.30 to 3 Mountain Time called Life in the Field. So you can tune in 2.30 p.m. every weekday and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Uh, if you'd like to call in, we have one open line right now. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, prayer requests, and things of that matter. Uh, the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to line three. We've got Brittany in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Hi, Brittany. Welcome to the program. Hi. 
<laughs> Welcome. Um, thank you. Uh, I just wanted to give out, I have a few things. I wanted to give out a shout out to Jesus. He's so amazing. He answered that prayer on um, my friend's uh, finding a home for her three children. So they got a home in December 1st. They're going to be moving in. Um, so great. I wanted to encourage people that are looking for a home or the homeless or they're hearing that, that Jesus will provide. He's so mm-hmm. amazing. And he's helping with this OCD. I don't know if I think I talked to you about the OCD, and he's helping me so much about it, casting down awesome. the thoughts. Um, and then I love that verse. I'm reading, I'm trying to read the, the Bible uh, for a year, you know, the year thing. Yeah. Kind of really hard, overcoming, I mean, very overwhelming. But I read Genesis 22, and it really is like, wow, like how God is for, like, he's with Abraham when he's like, I want you to sacrifice your son, but he's there. Like, he's not, he didn't leave. He's like, he didn't say, like, he tempts, he tempts us for our faith to, to know if we're going to follow him or not, you know, like he did for the Israelites, too. And it's so cool, like, how I'm encouraging people, like, if they're going through a storm and, you know, God brought it, that he can get you through it because he's there. You know, he's, he never, he will never leave. He didn't leave Abraham. So I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get that faith like Abraham. And I want I want prayer for um, this girl, Natty. She's 19 years old. She has a son. 11 months, she's trying to get child care, she's trying to get a job, so I know that's a lot. <laughs> I'm so sorry I didn't let you talk. Um, okay. No, you're fine. Sorry. Be happy to pray <laughs> for you. This is all good stuff, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, yeah. we pray for Brittany. Thank you, Lord, for the good work that you're doing in her life, and that throughout her day, she's just praising you, and I pray, Lord, that, that would be true for so many of us, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see your goodness. Give us eyes to see what you are doing in our lives and in other people's lives, Lord, that we might rejoice in you all day long and our hearts might be filled with thanksgiving. So I thank you for the example that Brittany is of that. And I pray, Lord, that would be, you would do that kind of work in the rest of us as well who are listening. Uh, Lord, I thank you for how you have been helping her and setting her free from OCD. Lord, praise you for that. And I I thank you, Lord, for this prayer or praise report, Lord, that this friend of hers has found a home. Lord, we join in praying for Naughty and the 19, uh, 19-year-old lady who's got this 11-month-old son. Lord, we just want to see them taken care of and provided for. Lord, I, I remember what you said in Genesis chapter 15 where you say that you are the God who sees. And Lord, we hold on to that. You said that to a single mom who had a kid and didn't know what to do with her. You said that to Hagar when she took her son out into the wilderness and she was crying and weeping. Lord, it says that you spoke to her and you said you told her, you encouraged her that you are the God who sees. You are the God who sees her situation. You're the God who sees every one of her needs and you are the God who will be faithful to take care of her. And so, Lord, I pray that that would be true of Nati as well, Lord, that you would provide for her and her young son, Lord, provide them with work, with lodging, with money to pay for their needs and their food and, and everything that they need and provide for child care for this uh, son, Lord, that he could be taken care of while his mom works. So I pray that you would surround them with a believing community of people who come and who are just your hands and feet in their lives. And I pray that you would do that and bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. And have her Amen. close to Jesus, too. I want that, too, if you can Amen. pray. Yes, <laughs> yes, I mean, she says she knows Jesus, but she's young, and I really want her, her son to come to Jesus, too, you know? It's awesome. important. Sounds like you have a good role in their lives, and I hope that God uses you in their lives and that you take on that role. Amen. It's all about Jesus. <laughs> it's not me. All right. All right. <laughs> I, bless, I bless you, Nick, and everything cool. you do in Jesus' name, that the Lord uses you and 
whatever he wants you to go, wherever he wants you to stay, just Lord, use him by your Holy Spirit. Just let him, let him, let him um, shine for you, Lord Jesus. We love, we love this ministry. We love you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for calling in. Thanks for praying for me. I appreciate that. Of course. Right. Of course. I'm Bye. praying for you guys. Later. Awesome. God bless you. <laughs> All right, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here with you on Calvary Live every Monday now, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got two open lines and just a few minutes left in the show. Might be able to get you on if you call in now. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to line two where we've got Carlos in New Jersey. Hey, Carlos, welcome to the program. Oh, good afternoon. How you doing? I'm doing great. What's up? Yes. Oh, usually I usually I call for because uh, I have a question, but right now I'm calling for a prayer request. Okay. Yes. Tomorrow morning, I have an appointment. I have a doctor's appointment, and I would like to pray that everything goes well. Okay. Great. Thank Is you. it for anything specific you'd like us to pray for, or just pray for the doctor's appointment in general? For yes, in general. Okay, I'll pray for you in general. Heavenly Father, I pray for Carlos. I thank you, Lord, that he's calling in today, asking for prayer. I thank you that we can come to you and we can join together with brothers and sisters. Lord, as we read earlier in your word, Lord, when we uh, seek you and we pray in your name, Lord, you uh, respond to those prayers. And so, Lord, I pray that our prayers would be in accordance with your will. And, Lord, we pray for Carlos that tomorrow morning as he goes into this doctor's appointment, Lord, that you would be with him. You calm his anxiety if he has anxiety about what's going to happen. And, Lord, I pray for him that he would have good health. And, Lord, this would be to your glory and to your fame, Lord, that he would go in tomorrow and he would get a good report. We pray for wisdom for the doctors. And, Lord, we pray that uh, truly you would watch over him and protect him, take care of him, and give him good health. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Amen. Have a wonderful evening. God bless you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here with you today, taking your calls and texts on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We are within our final few minutes of the show. So we're going to go ahead and go to the text line. We've got one question that has come in about word of faith theology. So the question is, what are your thoughts on manifesting what you want by positive attraction? There's a book out there called The Secret, which seems to preach it somewhat. Um, I'm not familiar with this book called The Secret, so it's hard for me to speak about this book directly. But on the subject of positive attraction and manifesting what you want, uh, that is a there's a name for that uh, teaching, that uh, kind of theology, and it's called Word of Faith Theology. And basically what it teaches is this, that it takes the idea, which is absolutely biblical, that God created us in his image. Right? That's, what sa- that's what it says in the Bible, that that's what sets us as human beings apart from every other living being on earth, is that God has created us in his image. But they take that to say this, then... Therefore, if God has created us in his image, just as God is able to speak things into existence and like he speaks and things are created, that God has therefore endowed us because we're created in his image 
inherent to being in his image means that we also have the ability to speak whatever we want into being. And so if you want something, then you just need to um, name it and claim it or you know, blab it and grab it, whatever you want to say about that, that you need to make a positive affirmation. And it's here it's called positive attraction. That basically you create your reality by your words. And, you know, in other words, that if you want to be wealthy or healthy, you just need to say that you are and it will happen. Now, on the one hand, James, the book of James, talks a lot about the power of our words, that there's life and death in the, in the power of the tongue. And so absolutely our words have power. But do they have creative power that brings into reality something that does not? I, th I don't believe they do. Because, and I'll tell you what happens with this doctrine when you kind of extrapolate it out to what, what all that is going to mean in practice. If you say that everything depends kind of on your affirmations of it, well then, you know, in other words, if you are not experiencing one of those things, guess whose fault it is? You're taking all of the control, all of the trust away from God, and you're putting it all on yourself. You're saying it's not about God's decisions, his providence in my life. It's all about what I want. And if I have something, it's because I earned it. And if I don't have something, it's because I didn't earn it. And that's really the opposite of the teaching of grace, which is so important. And not only are we saved by grace, I mean, it's what Jesus did for us, not what we do for him that saves us, but we stand in grace. That means that it's not that you have to try harder and do better. It's that you have to rest in what Jesus did for you. And what that means is that there are times when you don't have something in your life because God lovingly chooses not to give it to you. So I'd say that's a, not a good doctrine to follow. And instead, let's rest and let's celebrate God's grace. Thank you for tuning in to Calvary Live today. This is Pastor Nick Cady. I've been with you today from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I will be with you again next Monday. Tune in to Calvary Live every day from 4 to 5 p.m. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.